It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And, you know, as we continue to uh, wait for the uh, final arguments from the uh, defense uh, in the trial, uh, that uh, uh, will, we'll of course, be followed very closely as the jury actually takes that information and starts putting it together. Uh, as we talked about before the break, uh, this this trial in and of itself encapsulates so many of the conversations that we need to have in our country and in our community. Everything from racism and bigotry to criminal justice reform to addiction to breakdown of family and community. And uh, really pleased to be joined by our good friend Scott Rasmussen, independent pollster, uh, joining us from Florida today. Uh, and Scott, you've been focusing a lot on uh, how we talk about race in the country and uh, wrote a, a powerful piece on what we're misunderstanding about the future of race in America and uh, and actually looking back to the past to figure it out. Well, you know, Boyd, as with anything, you put a number to it and people believe the numbers and they kind of forget all the nuance that goes with it. So we hear about uh, things like there's a divide between white and non-white Americans and by about 2040, the non-white Americans are going to be the majority. So it'll be a majority-minority nation. And, um, you know, there's some reason to to accept that number. That's what the Census Bureau says officially. But there's a, an important new book out by Richard Alba. He's a, a professor at City University of New York, and he called the book The Great Demographic Illusion. And what he's talking about is a lot of these discussions are based on a flawed way of counting people. For example... If someone in today's world uh, comes from an Hispanic or Latino background, um, and they but they have three white parents and or grandparents, excuse me, and and one of Hispanic descent, well, they're counted entirely as somebody in a minority population. Um, it turns out that about ten percent of all Americans right now, uh, or ten percent of all births, are people of mixed racial backgrounds, racial and ethnic backgrounds. Uh, so, in other words, if somebody says they're white, well, they're white, but they may also be Hispanic. Um, they may have be an Asian-American with also a white or an African-American parent. And when you begin to get into these subtleties, um, the entire idea of the, that the numbers are as we expect, um, it becomes really difficult. I, I, look, I just did a survey this weekend, and we asked people, you know, what how they identify themselves racially and about their background. And we asked people who said they belonged to some other, they had some other racial or ethnic heritage, uh, what they said it was. Some people simply said American. Some said Italian. One said Icelandic. Uh, some other people said Sicilian. Um, and a lot of these groups we would classify officially as white. That's the way we do it in the 21st century. But it hasn't always been done that way. Yeah, and let's uh, let's get into that a little bit because you uh, you actually do go back uh, to uh, the founding of the country, the early years of the country, uh, and what actually makes up uh, each of those categories, whether white or person of color. 
That's right. You know, there was a time uh, in 1930, the, the U.S. government was going to classify people from Mexico as Mexican, as their racial or ethnic heritage. And the Mexican government complained. And so they continued to be identified as white Americans up until about 1980. So part of the reason we see this tremendous surge in the number of Hispanic and Latino Americans is because we changed the way we counted uh, those people. We also know, looking back, that uh, Italians and uh, East European Jews and Irish and Polish, many different group, ethnic groups, were not considered part of the American mainstream. But they eventually did become part of a growing uh, mainstream. And Boyd, I didn't get into the article, but at the very beginning of our country, when they were having the Constitutional Convention about to, to decide that we should declare our independence, uh, they all agreed. All the people in the room agreed we should start with a prayer. And then they had a vicious argument about what type of prayer it should be, what denomination should lead it. So things that we see in the past as a homogenous white culture, um, that's based on the way we view things today. It's not the way people experienced it then. Right now, today, there are 50 million plus people who are considered Hispanic, but who are considered white Hispanics. Uh, they don't fit into any of the easy categories that we think about. Yeah, and, and I think that's, uh, to me, that's really the crux of the issue is that uh, there just are no uh, absolutes. There's there, And there aren't really these, uh, especially our politicians, try to make these into to monolithic groups uh, where we can put them in a nice, neat box, and this is what they are, this is what they believe, this is what they do. Uh, and America's never been that way. No, not at all. In fact, uh, when you talk about uh, the Hispanic voters, there's a difference between first, second, and third generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we see, and I want to be clear, we're not talking about America as a melting pot necessarily the way it was discussed uh, a long time ago when it had a certain connotation of, if you want to become part of the melting pot, you become white. Uh, what we're talking about is a growing and more diverse nation that is continuing to search for its founding ideals. But what's becoming the mainstream is a, is a much broader and more all-inclusive uh, definition. And I think that's where we're heading. It's a dream that Martin Luther King could have embraced. Uh, as people begin, they're marrying across racial and ethnic boundaries, about one out of five Weddings that take place in America today are across traditional lines. Uh, by the way, my grandparents were an early trendsetter in that back in the uh, 1920s. But, um, you know, this is something that's going on in America. And, and it's, it's something I think that we should celebrate. And it, again, suggests the fact that these racial lines that we talk about are, are almost a statistical construct. Um, you know, a lot of people who are who we classify in one way see themselves in another. Oh, fantastic. Great analysis this is a great piece. You can read it up on Deseret.com. Uh, Scott Rasmussen, always appreciate your insight, your perspective. And this one is a, is a critical one. Appreciate you weighing in today. Thanks, Boyd. All right. Again, that's uh, pollster Scott Rasmussen joining us. Uh, and this is a great piece. Uh, he, he concludes it uh, by saying the real story of America is a nation with an expanding and ever more inclusive mainstream. The mainstream is guided by a shared desire to have the United States draw closer to living out its founding ideals of freedom, equality, and self-governance. And I think that's such a critical part and a critical component of all of this conversation.
uh, is that we we can't just put everything into nice, neat little boxes uh, and, and think that's what it is. Uh, there is uh, so much more. And, and uh, I was reminded just uh, listening uh, to Scott talk through that. Uh, in terms of this whole idea of uh, America being this this great melting pot, and, and Scott rightly pointed out that the the melting pot uh, is not about becoming white. Uh, and I actually think uh, one of my favorite uh, interviews that I've ever been able to do was with uh, Amos Brown, Reverend Amos Brown from the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco. And uh, we were actually at the uh, NAACP uh, National Convention in Detroit. And he, he talked about America. And he said he re- actually rejected the idea that America is a melting pot. He said America at its best is a salad bowl uh, where everyone maintains their uniqueness. So you have the uniqueness of the of the vegetables and the and the tomatoes and the you know all the different components of a salad. Uh, and I I just love that metaphorically. You can break it down however you want. Uh, but it wasn't that it was a melting pot in that we all needed to melt down and become the same. Uh, we we've said it regularly on this show. Oneness is not sameness in America. And it's when we value the differences that we are at our best as a country. Uh, it's when we are at our best in our communities. And so we have to, to value the salad bowl. Now, granted, I am not a big salad eater. Uh, I always just think it's a place to, to put your protein on top of. Uh, but Amos Brown rightly pointed out that, no, this is, a, this is the way we should look at each other. Value the differences. Enjoy the flavors, the textures, uh, the colors, all of the things that make us different and make us unique. And let's get beyond and transcend uh, some of those things that divide us or that we allow our politicians to use uh, to divide us uh, as a nation. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour break. When we come back, you don't want to miss this conversation. Scott Miller is going to join us from Franklin Covey. Uh, he is a great thinker. He will make you think different. You don't want to miss this. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.